0: Hey, this is Mikel Plain, you're listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, How to Miss a Quarter, we talk about soft misses and hard misses. What you can do yourself by building an operating model for your revenue to make sure that you never have a hard miss.
1: I think we have the perfect expert here on the show to tell us uh, how to miss a quarter, Mikkel. Let's uh, yeah, let's talk about that a little
0: bit here. Oh man, I'm gonna. There's not like one of those uh, beep on there for my rebuttal. I think this was <laughs> this was a wonderful intro. Oh my god! But I mean, we are gonna talk about how to gracefully miss a quarter. <laughs> miss a quarter, yes. because you know that. So the thing is, I never wanna miss yeah right i don't want to miss and i think everybody has that clinging on to you know never wanting to miss and we've talked about in the past having hit you know 12 quarters in a row and it sounds grand and all that but it also follows that we've missed mm-hmm. you know the one before the first and the one, one and then number 13 yeah. lucky number 13 there you whatever go. Yeah. so i mean you you are going to miss it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and what we want to spend a bit of time on today is Hey, you know what's actually happening? What can you do about it um, as a business? At the end of the day, right? So, how do you avoid a hard miss?
1: Yeah, and I think that's actually the the, the point here. You will miss eventually, mm. and I think um, the the time before we started this streak, we missed pretty hard. Yeah, but then the thirteenth quarter, we missed by like five thousand euros which was at that point like a 1% miss or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was tiny. Uh, obviously, it wasn't enough to keep on the, uh, hey, you know, uh, 13 quarters in a row chant, <laughs> but it also wasn't like anyone got fired or something like that, right? Or we were in like chaos and disarray on and me to rethink everything. That happened all the first time, by the way. Yeah. And uh, and really the question is not, you know, uh, how do you avoid missing softly? <laughs> it's it's how do you not miss massively, right? Yeah. How don't you have a heart miss that, you know, sends your organization into a t- tailspin that raises questions like, oh, wow, you know, are we going to go bankrupt now? And it has terrible conversations in the boardroom and so forth. It's really, that is really what this is about. You know, forecasting, planning, projecting, all of those things are still very soft science, mm. uh, sciences. And Uh, that means that you sometimes will hit 5% above and sometimes 5% below, and that's okay. What you don't want to have happen is to fall 40% below, you know, something like that. That really is a, wow, something is going fundamentally wrong here. And whenever something is going fundamentally wrong, it also requires you to do something fundamentally different to have a fundamentally better outcome again, right? So kind of just keep doing the same thing if you're completely off, I mean, it's um, that that's just going to you know re-
0: result in the same outcome afterwards. Yeah. So I mean, we maybe let's dive into first the soft miss. You cover you covered it a bit, right? So if if you're now sitting in revenue operations or sales, wherever you sit, and you have a soft miss, what what should you actually do? Should you do anything?
1: Yeah, I think I think a soft miss is a great opportunity to have a serious conversation you should obviously always have an mbr qbr looking back trying to understand you're diagnosing you're trying to figure out what what's right and what's wrong but it also ties a little bit into this uh, methodology that that we have which is you know never never uh, waste a good crisis mm. you know having this soft miss gives you the opportunity to have serious conversations without overblowing them mm. uh without making them demotivating but basically it still gives you the um hey this is because usually when you're hitting, you can do a lot of singing and dancing and saying like, hey, problem, problem, problem. But everyone will be but boss, we hit target. What more do you want? Yeah. Do you care how we hit target? No, we yeah. just hit target. And and that basically is being removed once there's a little bit of a gap somewhere, right? Mm. And totally use that and do diagnosing and try and figure out where the problem came from. You know, it could be all kinds of different reasons. Um and I think you should you should do that and then obviously try and fix it. Right, I think what, you know, strictly speaking for me also constitutes a soft miss is when you hit, but we're super lucky doing it. You mm-hmm. know, it's the typical, um, hey, we had this big enterprise deal. They decided to sign this quarter instead of tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and uh, see there, see there, we basically hit the target. in all honesty... And and you know what? Those lucky punches will happen, and you should celebrate them. And they're part of the game. You should just not act like you expect them all the time. You should have a conversation, or at least a a discussion on, okay, let's just act for a second that this thing wouldn't have happened. Now, how 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 would how would the whole thing uh, developed otherwise? Mm-hmm. And that for me constitutes a soft miss as well. By the way, right? Yeah. Kind of basically being the, you know, and there's you know what is an outlier and you know all of those questions park them just say okay we all agree we got lucky with this one not that we won the deal but that we won it today instead of next week yeah and let's just have a conversation how the quarter would have performed without it mm-hmm. because that wasn't part of the conversation to begin with right and i think this is how i would this is how I would structure the the soft miss and i think one last point that comes to mind here is Let's just say everything is great. You hit target in the right shape. The the revenue pieces are there. The opportunity pieces are there. All of that is kind of great. What you sometimes won't see are underlying issues below, right? Kind of Mm. basically peeling the onion, you know, one or two layers further back. And what you might find is, well, opportunities kind of hit, but it's because one channel overperformed compared to another. Great. But that might first of all not happen next time around. and second time uh, and and secondly, that original channel that underperformed, maybe that is your growth channel going forward. We see this quite a lot. yeah. Hey, outbound, that's the thing we're betting on, and it needs to triple and whatever, and it ain't tripling. and and maybe for the first one or two months, you can you know have a little bit of a lucky punch on the marketing side to cover this, but eventually that problem will come to to show itself. And you rather want to catch it at that point when, when, you know, no alarm bells are going off mm. then later on, right? Yeah. So I think all of these different things, they're kind of constituting soft-miss opportunities, and you can catch them right there.
0: Yeah. Then there's the hard-miss. And we, we kind of didn't want to spend, by design, too much time on the soft-miss. You know, if you're doing your QBRs, keep doing them. Do the, the analysis like we just talked about. The hard-miss. Let's, let's get into that one. Yeah. It's a bit more serious. I don't have like ominous background music I can play, but you know. Yeah. Um so the hard miss. So
1: number one, and that's really important, uh the first thing you should do as a CRO or a revenue leader, you should blame a couple of people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean if you started like yes. <laughs> you okay.
1: I mean, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm you asking. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really bad setup. <laughs> so you just started. Yeah. A new gig. Um, and uh, and and that's no. Of course, you know that that that's never gonna help. I mean, obviously, you as the revenue leader, you're gonna mm. you know you own the number in the end of the day. I think the uh, the mechanics fundamentally aren't that much different. I think the level of change is just different, mm. right? And I think the um, uh, number one why why was that heart miss a surprise? Yeah. That should be your number one question. You, are, you should ask that yourself honestly, and you should ask the rest of your leadership team the same thing. And by the way, that goes for revenue ops just as much here. Why the F was that a surprise? Because if you're a SMB, for example, so very short sales cycles, you have seen this problem now coming for at least 10 weeks out of the 12 weeks of the quarter. It's not like in the last two weeks you're going to catch up and fix everything. And if you're enterprise or mid-market, your sales cycles are three, six, nine months long, you've you you you've seen this problem literally coming nine months ago, yeah. right? So kind of being surprised that you didn't hit the revenue number right there, I think that is probably the biggest issue and might be the fundamental reason something is wrong with your organization. Either you yourself, because... You know, maybe you are not, like, professional enough about this. You know, it's like, it's the arrogant doctor here. Yeah. I'm sorry for that. Or, and the other thing is, what is the support organization around you that should have, you know, given early warning signs and so forth? And, yeah, that should have been revenue operations, by the way. And, or, mm-hmm. you know, sales operations, marketing operations and so forth, kind of on all of those different teams. Someone should have said, hey, Mikkel, you know, can I can I have a word with you? Those numbers aren't looking that great, yeah. right? And I think this is where it starts, actually. Kind of not only the, okay, we have an issue right now, we need to fix something. But, you know, how did, how, how did you not know about this? Yeah.
0: And I think we also discussed it in, in a previous episode. The, if you see something going wrong, it is your duty to speak up. If you own a certain number, whether it's in marketing or sales, actually doing that is key. Yeah. Because then the organization can do something about it. At the end of the day,
1: yeah, and you know this goes almost back to the soft misses. That's yeah. why those soft misses are so interesting, because uh, you can have serious conversations about part of your revenue engine to then you know try and proactively fix it, right? Yeah. Because likely, especially if it's a surprise, likely you were able to hit or somewhat hit the quarters before, and now boom,
0: the big hard miss, right? Um, but I think it's it's probably also going to be a balance, because you want to create a scenario where people feel comfortable voicing that, hey, I can see that the number, Tony, I'm owning, I'm not sure we're going to hit it. I, I think we're going to miss by 20%, 30%. That, that takes a lot, you know, just yeah. fear of repercussions. Yeah. So I I think what you're hitting at is almost you can also use, if you go the right way about it, those soft misses can help you facilitate yeah. that.
1: And I think we're going to talk about this in a second, kind of, you know, on the, on the operating model side, how we kind of, you know, recommend fixing it yeah basically kind of having a more objective conversation yeah right to kind of detach yourself a little bit from you and your performance versus the numbers and so forth right but before we go there I think the the other reason why we see hard misses happening is um over reliance on uh, new tactics new revenue streams these kind of things right mm-hmm. so hey, We've never done outbound we're going to do outbound this year and you know q1 q2 it's going to be soft and then q3 and q4 it's going to be hey it's going to be half of the revenue and what's going to happen is q1 and q2 you're going to sit there and be like ah you know didn't bring in much but that's what we planned for now step change q3 it's going to be massive right yeah. and then you walk into q3 and it's obviously not going to happen uh, so that usually then constitutes a, a hard miss or leads to a hard miss that even gets further exasperated than in Q4 because those expectations even higher. And outbound is, you know, obviously a little bit of a go-to example. The same goes for PLG. The same mm. goes for your marketing campaign. The same goes for your upsell and churn and, and so forth, right? All of those tactics, sometimes is ACV. Like, hey, we, we expect ACV to jump from, July 31st to August 1 by 10% points. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, you couldn't even see it not happening up until the Q3 numbers came in <laughs> because basically Q2, it wasn't there. And suddenly Q3 was there in full force, right? So it's kind of, this is usually how how those, and this is a planning error just as much, by the way, this is how those hard misses are basically being, uh, being constructed.
0: Mm. And then begins all the excuses. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, haven't you seen this in the spreadsheet? Yeah, (laughs) you know. uh, Oh no, but the market is changing. Worksheet five, (laughs) cell C one thousand and thirty one. No, well, we, it's not my problem because it was there, and I we discussed was, that spreadsheet for you know. Yeah, Sorry. I thought it was V seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, in my version, V seven yeah. final V one. Or we can go uh, down this route forever. Yeah. That's you know. Um. Yeah, and then the last thing is kind of the, um, basically hope. Mm. You go through the quarter, everyone. Everyone, it's not a surprise. Everyone knows. Hey, this is something is going off here. And then, uh, you know, the sales leader says, but, you know, this Hail Mary, this one ticket, basically the reverse of the soft uh, miss here. Um, You know what? It didn't happen. Mm. You know what? It didn't come in. and came in the next week, and likely it's not even going to come next quarter. Mm. That's my experience, by the way. And now you have a massive hole there in your your revenue, and basically you're going to say, like, oh, you know, the the reason why we didn't hit was this deal slipped, but that was not the reason, you know? The reason that you missed was that all the other stuff didn't perform, yeah. and now this deal slipped also on top of that, not helping you out, right? And I think, I think those are the three most common things that I've, you know, run into myself, and that we're seeing with, you know, uh, obviously all of our customers are hitting their target perfectly. <laughs> but you know, those are some of the common themes that we see
0: across. Yeah. So, you kind of alluded to it. There is a bit of a hidden problem. You said it's kind of also the planning piece. And it's, it's a multifaceted thing. I, I, I think we should, what we should do now is move into, hey, what is then the model for our listeners mm. to make sure it's a soft miss if they're going to miss in the first yeah. place? So, and I think this goes a
1: little bit to, and maybe there's a bit on the nose, but what we're doing here at GrowBlocks, right? Really having an operating model in place that you have, you know, side by side next to your financial model. Mm. A financial model will usually be about not running out of money. Your operating model is how to make money. Mm. And mixing those two worlds usually doesn't work really great. You usually end up with this, you know, top-down approach that tries to break it into all kinds of MQLs. That's really not helpful. But what you do need to have, and, you know, this could be an Excel speech exercise for you as a CEO, a revenue leader, and or for the ReviOps team to understand how many opportunities and leads do we know by what time, you know, sales cycles included and the distribution of those, some close earlier, some Mm. close later and so forth. And how are we going to get more of those opportunities and how those leads, right? So really having a clear understanding in the organization, you know, if I do X, that will result in more opportunities and they should happen here. And if they don't, then I know we have a problem, right? So really an operating model that is you know, the first piece of the calculation that you would need to do in order to start being able to, hey, it's uh, Q1 and we have nine-month sales cycles on average. Something is going off here already and basically that's going to create a Q4 problem. Mm. And, you know, at least now, you know, you might still miss, by the way, but at least now you can, number one, have a good conversation. Number two, you won't be surprised by the Q4 miss. And number three, you can maybe take some, let's just say, mitigating action. It's like, okay, we have a gap now of, I don't know, half a million euros. What can we do about this? You know, option number one is lucky punch enterprise (laughs) deal. You know, we're back to number three on the list, by the way. And number two is, okay, uh, maybe we need to um, shift resources around. Maybe the US is really expensive. Maybe you pull some into that in EMEA and maybe that gives you more bang for the buck. Uh, Or maybe a different team needs to pick it up. This is something... I see super rarely where I don't have a CRO or RevOps is let's just say I don't know why, but marketing screws up, mm. and you know Classic. you can you can already see that there's going to be a gap by the end of the year. Can another team pick it up? Can sales figure something out? Can CS figure something out? And you want to have that conversation in March, and you don't want to have it in November.
0: Yeah. And I think that's often where the conversation turns into, well, marketing, can you just need to get your stuff together. Just go hit that number. Yeah. And the thing is, you can scream or yell as much as you like sometimes of, you know, the players on your team doesn't mean they're going to go out and score. Yeah. Like, and, and, and just just because you as a
1: CEO or a CFO or CRO really want it mm. doesn't make it true. No. You know, I'm sorry. And, um, and this is really where if you're able to align your financial model with your operating model, in different words is the top down and the bottom up mm-hmm. basically if you're able to align those chances are you're going to hit whatever number you're wishing for right yeah. and the the issue that i've found with you know the operating model usually is a bunch of people want to log into this a bunch of people want to understand that on the finance side you usually don't have that right you have no. like uh, very so sensitive stuff in there and you don't want to you don't want to kind of share this broad Uh, the operating model really needs to be kind of a shared asset of of the rest of the organization.
0: Yeah, and the problem is if you are inventing a solution yourself in a sheet and you give someone access, you're going to find all of a sudden some formula somewhere broke or even it's hard to understand, right? But I think the point we're making is you really need to understand that, you know, $1 you have, where are you going to put it? Mm -hmm. Where are you going to invest it? And for what outcome? And so sure we we are building a solution that's great what are some of the the structures and things you need in place in order to go and and actually build that you know build that model i know we've we've talked a bit about really understanding how revenue is created really understanding your engine your model but what does that entail yeah
1: so i think it has potentially two potentially more different angles to it i think the the one is and especially if, you know if, for revenue leaders and rev ops, there's a, a human side to it. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not just data, there's a human side to it and you need to understand how the different roles interact with one another, what the limitations are of those roles, how you can move some of those levers around and maybe kind of create more revenue or less cost. I think that's one side. And then I think the other side is really the uh, the data side behind it. Yeah, And the data side, I think, in a very simple format could simply be how many opportunities do we need to create month over month over month and ideally split them into your main revenue motions? Mm. i just say inbound and outbound. Why would you split it? Well, your inbound opportunities are going to behave very differently from your outbound opportunities. Everyone sees it. So usually what you see on the inbound side is lower average contract value because you can't target so precisely. So you will kind of have more uh, on the bottom coming in. Uh, will usually have higher conversion rates, so will be loved by your sales reps, will have a shorter sales cycles, so will be you know done quickly, mm. and your uh, outbound opportunities will be the reverse of all of these things. Yeah. Higher ACVs because of targeting, lower conversion rates because they're basically cold, longer decision-making cycles probably because they're higher ACVs and because they're cold at the same time. right? Mm. And if you mix those two things up, you basically kind of create impreciseness and issues You don't want to do that. You want to be like very precise, at least on those two levels, and create a opportunity-based operating model, right? And then the question is, okay, how do I get those opportunities up? And now we have a fantastic conversation. You can say like, okay, what about the, you know, we hire 10 more SDRs. We know from our past that this is how those opportunities from the SDR team has been performing. We know that they usually bring in between 8 and 12 opportunities per month, and there's a ramp up to it, yada, yada, yada. And then on the marketing side, you can have conversations about, okay, we know we get X amount from Google Ads all the time. We feel we're tapping out because payback there is already in the red. Hey, our direct and branded search is nicely ticking up month over month. We expect that to continue. And then you might add you know, additional channels on top and you might have an understanding what that means and opportunities coming out of it. Mm. It's sometimes difficult for marketing kind of to say how many opportunities, but at least now you have an approach, yeah. right? And what that now enables you to do is, you can see that something is going wrong already on the hiring side. Oh oh, we planted five SDRs in their seed on February. They're still not here, and it's you know April. Gap. Yeah. What do we do about this? Or oh oh, we uh, launched this new campaign on the marketing side. Ain't working out. Yeah. What what are we doing about this? Right. And that now enables you to have a really data-driven conversation because those numbers obviously need to tick up. And you can uh, very uh, intelligently, but also without much thinking actually, be like, hey, wait a minute, we're behind over here yeah. and the five reasons are this here. What are we going to do about this? Yeah. Right. So this is extremely powerful. And since I'm on a rant here anyway, kind of going a little bit into the marketing side, what we see a lot is MQLs need to tick up. Sure, that makes a bunch of sense. And uh, I mean, you're a marketing practitioner, you know exactly what happens mm-hmm. here. Uh, you basically know that your, the value traffic or the value MQLs, they're just not tripling by themselves usually. Usually it's much slower growth, right? And really what you're aiming for is demo requests from direct and branded search. And that has a trajectory to it. And then you do this the first, second, and third month, and you see like, hey, this is not growing as I want it to grow. So what do people do? They mix in other leads mm-hmm. that they call, you know, MQLs, webinars, Im- implicit intent, yeah, webinars, <laughs> white papers, yeah, yeah. newsletter signups, and by the way, it's totally cool to do that. I don't think that's like, hey, this is a good or bad marketing tactic. I think what is just important if you then were to expand your model from opportunities to leads. You basically want to say hey, those opportunity or those MQLs that found us through direct and branded traffic, basically they know you, they know your brand. Yeah. They basically coming to you to buy. They click the request demo button. Those will be your your money MQLs and they will convert in a certain way. But then there are those other MQLs, you know, Facebook webinar leads. And they sign up and it's great and, you know, probably great cost per lead and stuff. But really, you will sign up thousands of those potentially. You will hit your MQL target. There will be a high five in that room. I've been there. (laughs) I held my hand up as well, by the way, and I I celebrated. But everyone knows those thousands of MQLs from, you know, Facebook webinars, they won't convert as the true hand raisers that you actually wanted to convert, right? And then having a conversation at that point in time and be like, hey, Uh, we missed the MQL target by a bunch in reality instead of shutting up, which most marketeers, by the way, do. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to, you know, walk back that statement. I think a lot of marketers, well, now I did.
0: I, think <laughs> I, I just, I, I just I, stay
1: quiet to yeah. see if I could get you to do it. I, I think a lot of marketers <laughs> do that. It's like, hey, we hit the, the MQL target, and then there's <sighs> like this silly debate about, you know, MQL definitions yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but really the problem will come out three to six months later, and then, uh, oh, yeah, no, pff, we don't know why that happened. If you have an operating model in place that, yeah. you know, sets targets for all of that stuff, You've, you will you will be able to pinpoint that, like, immediately.
0: I, and I think it's so critical, like, you're splitting the opportunities. You want to do the same on the marketing side with the leads. It's it's totally legitimate to create contacts on existing yes. accounts to yes. help enrich and, and yeah. so on and so on. But the kicker really is you're spending money on both direct demand gen, so f- getting the demo requests, and you're also doing it, you know, more top funnel with the webinars yes. and so on. You cannot expect them to convert at the same rate but if you're doing it to generate revenue, you do want to consider how much you're spending and yes. what the yield is. And you might be shocked in what you find. And and that's back to if you have a model, it's okay also to have initiatives where you test certain things out to valid- yeah. validate the hypothesis you have. But you need to pay attention to where, where, is, where are you putting your dollars and what is coming out. And this is, so what's
1: really important, this is not an attribution conversation. No. We're not discussing, oh, you know, you know, you should really use, I don't know, GA or HubSpot or, or whoever to do the magic attribution for you. It's not about that. What it is about is simply understanding whom you're collecting here through what tactics, where they are in the funnel, and the buyer journey, you know, flip this around. They're not in a funnel, they're in the buyer journey. And for if they're further away, you can't expect them to close as as quickly as someone that basically is, hey, I'm ready to sign basically. Mm. right? It, it just won't be like that. And I think that's really important to make sure that uh, that you differentiate those two things. And by the way, my super simple trick for everyone out there: MQLs are only the ones that are true hand handraisers, demo request, trial request, free trial, quote request, in mails. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, someone that basically says, "Hey, I want to, uh, you know, I want to see this thing. I want to try it out." Everything else than the true hand raisers, everything else is just a marketing lead. You shouldn't throw it away. It has its purpose. You can nurture it and finally at some point get it to an MQL, but don't mix those two concepts and don't don't start this conversation of like, well, wait a minute, that person clicked on the pricing page five times, therefore it's now an MQL. No, don't, don't do it. Wait until they click the demo request on the pricing page, then it's an MQL, but not until then. Obviously, all of those marketing vendors are trying to sell you a completely different story than I just did. But, um, you know, the hands-down approach, that that will be it for sure.
0: So that's, I guess, how you soft miss a quarter. That's how you keep soft missing. <laughs> yeah. No soft hitting. Know what the F you're
1: doing. Yeah. Uh, know it early enough. Yeah. Course correct. Course correct. Cost correct. Yeah. And that's how you're going to hit in the end, right? It's not you're going to guess. no. The number it's it's execution calculate in cost don't correction. guess yeah
0: that's the saying yeah. and I mean so it is almost you know five episodes to hash out how you build an actual operating model yeah this was just scratching the surface but it's it's back to the point you need to know what you're doing what effect is it having on the business it's really obsessing over how revenue is produced yeah of the day.
1: yes that's absolutely what it
0: is so good to be back in the studio Always great Always great And I like that it's uh, Kind of an afternoon recording We're doing today Yeah, very different vibe I prefer the morning I Do prefer the morning Yeah, right Yeah, yeah It's it's a great way to start the day Well, is. thanks for the episode, Nico I hope we added some value here <laughs> Yeah, you too, Tony Thanks <laughs> And thank you, dear listener By the way If you've enjoyed any of the episodes We do appreciate a review Always But only if it's five stars Yeah and I mean, all the negative stuff you can send it to my LinkedIn directly, but only... <laughs> yeah, complaints to Tony. Yeah. <laughs> we need it for our QBRs. Yeah. So, thanks. Bye. Bye.